Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. <laughs> All right. Even a couple of minutes early. My hey, goodness. All right. It is Christmas. Uh, Julie, <laughs> welcome to our Smart Garden Show. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is with us this morning. Julie, good morning. Ha Merry Christmas to you and <laughs> Carl and the whole gang. I'm not ready to say Merry Christmas quite yet, but happy winter. I think it's here coming soon, but it's been a pretty mild. Oh, okay. Well, it is December now. So <laughs> well, it's, that's uh, true. Yeah. It, it, it kind of happened pretty quickly, it seemed like. And yeah. I still have yet to uh, get all of my dormant seating done, but I'm telling you, I'm looking at that forecast. And uh, highs in the 40s, yeah, maybe mid-40s. I mean, you can still do it, I suppose. We'll be talking about I'm sure we'll get a ton of questions about dormant seating. But uh, I, I'm a little concerned about uh, this lack of snow, though. Yeah, snow cover provides an awful lot of insulation. All the air pockets within snow are 32 degrees. And they're almost, you know, it, it stacks up and it provides this really great blanket that 
that keeps our soils from, let's say that they it keeps them frozen in the winter or keeps them uh, moderate in the winter, and it helps to protect our plants. And that's what we're mostly concerned about when we get really cold, like single digits. We're mostly worried about the roots that are uh, going to, you know, sustain our plants in the future. So it can be it can be tough for plants when there's no snow cover. That's why mulch is so important too on your plant roots. Yeah, and it's we're, we're in that uh, time of the year when we turn our outside faucets off. Right. You know. Right. And yeah, we can't water anymore. Really, um, my faucets have been off for quite a while. I don't know about yours, but. Well, I did, I did uh, for the most part, but then uh, during that lull, uh, I, mm-hmm. I remember talking to our friend Teresa, and I said, you know, I think I'm today at that time. <laughs> I'm going to turn it back on again, and so I, you know, water some shrubs. I'm yeah. glad I did. Yeah, that was a great idea because we have had, I just heard the report for November, and it was one of the driest Novembers on history. Yeah, on record, and, yeah. Yeah, on record, and I think they said we got like four hundredths of an inch of moisture yeah, a precipitation that's really, really dry going into winter, and and dry soil is colder than moist soil. So that's uh, that's why we really are pretty persistent in in our messaging about watering up until you cannot water anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I'm looking at the again the forecast for the next week, and it doesn't. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty dry, pretty dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's welcome our listeners to the show by uh, giving the phone number and the text number, which happens to be the same thing. Any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, now is your chance. And if you're a regular listener to the show, and we have many, you know how busy we get. So don't wait. Don't wait. Call us or text us, 651-461-9226, uh, Texter says this. I want to know how to store potatoes. I put them in a cooler and in my garage, but not keeping keeping well. Second question, have a, oh, there's two of them here. I have a French lilac, and it's blocking my view. Can I cut it way down and pull it out in the spring? Cut it way down and pull it. So it sounds like you're going to remove it. It sounds like that, yeah. Yeah, you could, you could certainly cut it down now and then pull it out in the spring. That's fine. As far as potatoes go... I admit I am not much of a potato grower, but we do have a great website. Uh, a lot of people have accessed it who listen to the show. That's extension.umn.edu. And I am on it right now, and I'm looking at our vegetables page, and we have vegetables A to Z, and there's a potatoes page. And there's a section on harvesting and storing potatoes. So uh, I would recommend taking a look at that. There's quite a bit of good information about New potatoes, mature potatoes, um, you know, when to dig them up and then how to store them. In a nutshell, uh, you want to know this, you want to choose a variety that's known for storability. Uh, and that would be in the information where you get your seed, your, your potato seeds. Uh, and that's seed potatoes, I should specify that. And then storing them in a uh, a 60 to 65 degree well-ventilated area to allow the skin to set. So doing that first. And then you want to actually cover up those uh, potatoes and store them in dark, cool, moist conditions, 32 to 40 degrees, with a fairly high relativity, like in a refrigerator, like 95%. So take a look at that webpage. It's got a lot more detail than I can go into in the show, but... Um, Really helpful. I just learned a bunch about potatoes here. So, 
Well, you know, it's a good point about that website. I have learned a lot over the years. How many years have we been doing this show with uh, you guys, you and your colleagues? I think it's like 13 years. Oh, or wow. It's a lot. <laughs> but who's but who's counting? Right? Yeah, who's counting? Yeah. Every show is new. It is. It really <laughs> is. And uh, well, I tell you what, let's do this. Um, it's a 12 after 8, and we have uh, 23 degrees now in the Twin Cities going for 39 today and tomorrow. Let's grab a phone call, Julie Kay is checking in from Goodhue this morning, I do believe. Kay, thank you for calling. What's your question for Julie? Uh, I don't know. Maybe she already was trying to answer it. I text first, and then I didn't think I got it right. So, uh, But my question is, I want to know how to store potatoes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, so I was and, just talking about that, Kay. Okay, and I missed it because I was... Trying to text and I was okay. hearing well, you. I'm, um, just, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna refer you to our vegetables webpage on our extension site because we have a really cool okay. section called vegetables A to Z. So any questions about harvesting, storing, planting, including potatoes, there's a potatoes page. Gives you tons of information about how to go about that successfully. So you can take a look at that. It's at extension. Dot umn dot edu. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great extension. Page. Dot umn dot edu. Dot edu. Yeah, dot like education. Edu. Got it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. yeah. Check it out. You. It's it's great reading any time of the year, and there, there's so much information. I know your colleagues put so much work into that. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really. To me, it's like overwhelming. There's so much information. There's a lot of good information. We're updating it all the time. So uh, we're always trying to do better and provide better information. And a lot of it comes from, to be honest, this show. We get a lot of great questions. and We're like, hmm, boy, we get that question quite a bit. We should address it. And we try to address it in our yard and garden news. A lot of questions about fencing against uh, animal damage. La- Remember last year, Denny, we had so much oh, yeah. rabbit damage because our snow was so deep. Yep. And uh, and this year we want to prepare people. So there's an article I wrote about a fence is the best defense. <laughs> That's my and boy does title. it. <laughs> yeah, but it works. I mean, it, but it works. Oh, yeah, boy. fencing is it. Yeah. I was looking at uh, the text. Messages, Julie, a lot of them, but our watering comment, uh, mm-hmm. good information. Uh, and uh, this is one that says, given the opening that we talked about in November um, and today, should we right. water by bucket next week when warmer? Now, uh, what about the ground? Is it frozen yet? The ground is not frozen yet. Um, and uh, I wish John was on. He he tracks all the soil temperatures around the state and it is not frozen yet. Um and uh, I wish John was on. He he tracks all the soil temperatures around the state. And uh, but yeah, it's not frozen yet. You could still actually. It's probably a little crusty on top. But if you get down an inch or two, it's still still thawed out. So you can still continue to water. And especially if you've planted a new tree or shrub later in the season, boy, put some water on that that plant. It'll it'll thank you in the spring. So. I think it's a good idea with a bucket. Mm-hmm. I think I may do that today. You could do that, yeah. Uh, now, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, the ground not being frozen. A listener says, I have a ground thermometer. Where's the yeah. best place to check it? Well, it depends because if you're, in a, if you're on your, the west side of your house, 
and you get a lot of sunlight, maybe it's a full sun area, your soil might be warmer than on the north side. Typically, our north side is more of a microclimate for our houses where we have more shade. Uh, it's usually much cooler. And it's usually one of the areas where our soil freezes first and also where it thaws last. So it will depend where you put that soil thermometer. But I would not just put it in one place. I would put it in a bunch of different places and then average those temperatures out. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, I'll tell you what we'll do. We need to take a quick break here. Let's invite our listeners to join in on our Lawn and Garden chat. 651-461-9226. If you want to call in your question, that's great. If you want to send a text, that's great too. Same number for either. 651-461-9226. We're back to, uh, let's see, officially 22 now, 22 degrees in the Twin Cities, heading for highs near 39 for both today and tomorrow. But by Wednesday, could be 41. By Thursday, 45. And 43 by Friday, with not much any, actually zero precipitation predicted uh, after today or tonight for the rest of the week. Right now at CCO, as we said, 22 degrees. Stay with us. Good Saturday morning to you. This happens to be the second day of the month of December. We're in the midst of our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering those particular lawn and garden questions you might have at 651-461-9226. You know, for those uh, regular listeners, they know you play also in a group called the Abiders. <laughs> I haven't asked you, are you guys playing any gigs uh, coming up? We are off for the for the holidays now. Right. Um, we're starting to book into 2024, but yeah, we're just kind of taking a little bit of a break right now. Well, that sounds good. It's needed, yeah. and it's a good time of year for that. So, yeah. Well, you let us know next time you're, I will uh, do that. you're up there. Uh, Texter wants to know, are the messy shells from birdseed detrimental to the pH of our soil? Hmm. I don't think it's the pH of the soil. Um to the best of my knowledge, sunflower seeds, the the hulls from sunflower seeds, have an allelopathic quality, meaning that they prevent other plants from growing around them. So when you have, for example, a bird feeder out in the middle of your lawn, I'm sure people have noticed that they can't grow grass underneath that bird feeder. A lot of those sunflower seeds, those black oil sunflower seed hulls, can prevent that grass from growing. Part of it is also that they become so thick sometimes that they just shade out and kill the plants in that respect. Um, so people get around that by buying uh, shelled seed, and then they don't have to deal with those seeds. But I don't know of any, I doubt any pH is affected by, by the seeds. It's mostly going to be shading out whatever's growing underneath it. Or uh, in the case of the black sunflower seed hulls, that that uh, quality that prevents other plants from growing underneath. Very good. I uh, know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I know we're going to be getting questions about dormant seeding. Yes. And here's one. Is it too late to dormant seed? Well, I don't think so. I've yet no. to do some more. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. Uh, I've, I've got some bee lawn seed to put down, and I haven't done it yet. And John and I were talking about dormant seeding and yeah, you could still dormant seed at this point. I've heard that term before on the show, Julie, bee lawn. What is a bee lawn? So a bee lawn is a 
uh, type of lawn. It's We call it an alternative lawn. It's a little different than your traditional lawn that's almost that's all grasses. It is a actually a very high percentage of it is fine fescue. So that's a, a very tough grass. It's uh, low water requirements. Um, also will grow in shade and sun. Doesn't require a lot of nutrients. So it's it's a type of lawn grass that we really promote, especially for people who don't want to, you know, they're conscious of watering and, and putting too much fertilizer down. So a bee lawn mix is a a big percent of it, percentage of it is fine fescue, about 90% of it. The other 10% are mixes of perennial flowers that are beneficial to pollinators, such as Dutch white clover and self-heal and creeping thyme. So this combination creates a nice lawn that will not only create an, uh, a, a nice green space for humans, but also provide the benefits of uh, of uh, high-quality nectar and pollen for our pollinator friends. Well, Julie, when people are, and I, I can understand if we get questions about these bee lawn, the seeds, mm-hmm. now, it, what, what kind of, I mean, is, is it is the bag listed bee lawn, or do you have to kind of mix your own blend? It actually is listed as bee lawn seeds. It is. You can purchase that, and you can purchase it from many different places. We have a list on our turf website, turf.umn.edu of different vendors in Minnesota who sell it. But you can also purchase it online from outside Minnesota. We always recommend buying locally to help support the Minnesota economy and and our important uh, green industry. But, yeah, you can buy a bee lawn mix. Well, good to know. you just want to be sure you're buying it for the right condition, you know, the conditions that you have in your uh, your yard. Well, like uh, you and your colleagues always say, read the directions. Yeah, read the directions, apply it. (laughs) appropriately at the right time and but you can dormant seed with bee lawn mixes as well as a traditional turf mix too we would love to hear from you either by phone or by text any kind of a lawn care question or or garden question you might have 651-461-9226 you can call it in or you can text it in here's a comment julie from a listener and maybe you can comment on the comment uh (laughs) this uh texter says remind listeners not to water at the base of the tree trunk, water under the canopy drip line of the tree, as that's where the roots are that take up the moisture. I understand, Texter says, a large tree could take up to 300 gallons of water per day. Is that right? Um, it would depend on the caliper size of the tree. Uh, certainly trees can, can take up a great deal of water. I don't know about 300 gallons a day. Um, but I'm sure that we could do some math and figure that out. But it is important to remember that the the fine hair roots that take up the water and thus the nutrients from the soil also uh, are located in the top 18 to 20 inches of soil. So they're very shallow. And so be sure that you're thinking about that as you water. So if you're watering other plants, chances are you're probably watering tree roots from a mature tree, but especially with younger trees, trees that you've just planted, maybe they're a couple of years old, you want to be sure that you're giving them enough water because they're trying to reestablish their roots in uh, where you've planted them. And so giving them enough water is important. We have a great calculation page on our Water Wisely page. In fact, there's a link to it right on our yard and garden page called Watering Established Trees and Shrubs. And then we also have 
a page on watering new newly planted trees and shrubs too. So there's a calculation there that tells you how much water and how frequently you need to water these plants. Hopefully people have been water, watering throughout the season because we had a pretty dry summer. And that allows for the plant to really reestablish and, and grow well throughout the entire season. Don't just do your watering this time of year, but be consistent throughout the throughout the season, especially when we're lacking in rain. And it's a good point, Julie. And I, I think too of all the water restrictions right. that I think I think I'm guilty of it too of kind of backing off on maybe watering I should do or the timing of it, uh, uh, right. things like that. And another thing before we take a break for weather is that one thing I've learned from you and your colleagues, and I saw a gentleman doing this uh, using mulch. I don't know where it was in the neighborhood right. somewhere. Uh, uh, of and I was guilty of it too at one time, uh, putting mulch all the way up, the, not all the way yes. up, but you know, right up to the tree trunk. Yeah, we call it volcano mulching. Yeah, exactly. and it's where it's where the mulch rises up the trunk and forms this kind of volcano look to it. And you want to avoid that. You want to start your mulch about twelve inches out from the f- root flare of the tree, so that uh, that plant can have enough air. Uh, you're still providing the benefits of mulch to those roots. Remember, those roots are spread out. They go horizontally. Very few trees have tap roots, or I should say most trees don't have tap roots, but their roots go out horizontal. They don't go down as deeply uh, as you would think. So, uh, yeah, mulching is great, uh, especially in this the heat of the weather you know that we've had over the summer. But it also then helps moderate the soil temperatures. So as we're having these fluctuations in temperatures, and we've had single digits, now we're going to have 40s. Yep. It helps to moderate that soil temperature so it's not so stressful on the plants. All right. Speaking of weather, we're going to be looking at that uh, very thing coming up in just seconds, Julie. We have about another half hour of the show to go on our Smart Garden Show. Call us or text us your lawn or garden question, 651 461 9226. Back after the weather here on 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on WCCO around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering those lawn and garden type of questions. And uh, I realize that our time goes by so quickly, Julie. (laughs) But uh, call us or text us, 651-461-9226. We were kind of chatting off the air. What about that? In fact, I'm getting comments from people about... Uh, the uh, the zone changes sure. here. Tell yeah. us about that. So uh, our USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, produces a plant hardiness zone map. Uh, the last one that was released was in 2012. So now this one is uh, data based on, co- it's compiled data from 1991 through 2020. It's data collected from over 13,000 weather stations around the uh, nation, including Hawaii and Puerto Rico, Alaska, so it's not just the continental U.S. And there have always been seven zones, at least in my lifetime. or I'm sorry, not seven, 11 zones. We've added uh, 12 and 13 with this new map, which just came out about 
a week and a half ago. Hmm. One of the interesting things about this map is when you look at Minnesota and you compare it to the 2012 map, we have a far larger area that is zone 5A. So 5A uh, is a, a basically opens up a palette of plants that ordinarily in the past we were not able, people were kind of like taking a big chance to grow those. And uh, and it reaches up from the southern part of the United uh, southern part of the state, up into some of our uh, lower state or lower counties like um, oh boy I'm trying to read my map here I'm looking at it um, but it reaches up towards um, into Blue Earth County, uh, Yellow Medicine County I believe, and uh, kind of upwards into the state and you see quite a big quite a big area around the metro area that's zone now deemed zone 5A. 5A. Yeah. So this means that we will be able to, in these areas, grow plants that are less hardy than what we've thought we could grow in the past. In other words, they can they are uh, warmer season plants. Their plants have grown warmer temperatures. So this map is based on our average annual extreme minimum temperatures, which means that they have, uh, they're becoming a little bit warmer now, and that's changing our zone map. People are excited about it because there's a lot of uh, Minnesota gardeners who have wanted to grow zone 5 plants and haven't, and now they can feel like they can safely try that. And there's a the interesting thing about this map is that the technology has gotten so good that it's able to pinpoint better data. We have much better data. This is a collaboration with the USDA and Oregon State University. It's a software uh, program that they've written or that they've created called PRISM. And it's just more exact in, in the detail that it can provide for us about our average annual extreme minimum temperatures. So, so weather, this is weather related. So this is different than climate related. Climate is over 50 to 100 years of data collected. This is just over uh, the 30 years that we have. So it's exciting. It's um, kind of a little bit like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do I do this? Um, but I, I would recommend, we have a good article about it in Yard and Garden News on our website. And the has a comparison of the two maps, 2020, 2012 versus 2023. And you can also visit the USDA map. The link is in the article. And put in your zip code, and it will tell you the zone that you are now gardening in, according to this data. So it's, it's a big change for Minnesota gardeners and one that we should, um, you know, just embrace, I suppose. And I think it'll be exciting for our industry too, our growers, sure. uh, they'll be able to have a wider variety of plants available. I'm thinking too, Julie, as you're describing this, not seeing this map in front of me, that we have a lot of listeners who have uh, cabins up north, and I wonder if they'll be able to grow things they, they thought were not, they were not able to uh, years yeah. ago. Yeah, that's possible. It's interesting too in the map that when you really zero in on it, you see some zone fives along waterways like the Minnesota River. And uh, and that that's indicative of the technology also, that it's able to get better data, and relay that to us as gardeners. So that 
That's I thought I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for that info. That's great. Yeah. Uh, listener says this via text. I am overwintering Amanda Villa, and it is uh, sending out climbers. Can those be cut back to keep the plant contained without hurting the plant? Yes, you can keep those cut back. Uh, I've I've tried overwintering mandevillas, and it's and it can be or mandevillas, as they would say, <laughs> Spanish. Yeah. Uh, it it can be kind of challenging because they do send out these long uh, climbers, as the uh, texture notes. And uh, and they tend to drop an awful lot of leaves, so they're kind of a messy plant to overwinter. But yes, you can you can keep them trimmed back somewhat. We're talking about uh, dormant seeding uh, this time of year, and this listener says, "Do I have to use a spreader for grass seed, or is hand spreading okay?" Now I've done both. I'm maybe not supposed to, but I've done both. Yeah, I think you can do either. Um, they've probably put their spreader away for the season, maybe. Um, but you can use a whirly bird. A hand, that's what I use. Yeah. Handheld. That's what I use too. We have small spaces of uh, in our yards. Our yard is a bunch of small areas, and so we use a whirly bird. Sometimes I'll just cast it. Uh, I used to have a, a professor, Brad Peterson, who said, "Think of feeding chickens <laughs> and <laughs> cast your seeds out that way." I think the important thing is 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 when you can calibrate your spreader or your whirly bird, you're getting a better coverage, a more even coverage. And uh, not getting a whole bunch of seed in one place, which isn't very helpful. It's a more of a waste of seed. So, so if you have a, a spreader or a whirly bird, it's probably best to, to use that. John Minnetonka is looking ahead. He's uh, asking, um, if we dormant seed now, can we rake our lawn next spring without disrupting the seeding? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I think you could lightly rake it. Um, you should probably rake it maybe before you dormant seed to just get some of the extra leaves that have fallen. You know, we're kind of toward, we're done with that, I think. And so maybe do a little raking. That also roughs up the soil, which gets you better soil to seed contact ultimately. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's grab a phone call. Larry is uh, calling in from Cambridge, Minnesota this morning. Thanks, Larry. What is your question? Good morning, you guys. Thanks for being there. Um, I'm listening to the conversation about, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you described as not climate change, but weather change. Is that correct? It's weather. Yeah, it's weather data. Okay. Um, in my mind, um, rather than celebrating it, it almost makes me panic more that it happened in a short period of time. And I heard some time ago that there'll be a time when Minnesota doesn't have uh, maple trees that can survive the, you know, warmer temperatures. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Well, I, I feel a little bit the same way when I saw the the amount of Zone 5A. I, too, felt like that as well. So the, the map represents a 30-year averages of what are essentially the extreme weather events. So these are the coldest temperatures of the year. And, um, and compared to uh, the climate changes are based on trends and overall annual average temperatures recorded over 50 to 100 years. But yes, I, I feel a little bit the same way, like, wow, that's a lot of 5A. There are some, there's research going on about northern plants and and you mentioned maple trees balsams are also balsam pine or balsam fir also another tree that we're concerned about that ultimately because of climate change uh we may not have the balsam 
forests, the boreal forests that we do now in, say, the Arrowhead region, that things are over the 50 to 100 years, the climate information, it's changing the environment that these plants have grown and thrived in. So they, they may be, we, we may see a big change in our landscape in uh, you know, the next century or, or less even, probably less than that. Julie, where can we find, uh, I'm anticipating questions from our listeners, uh, about uh, that graph or that, uh, that uh, map that you it, refer yeah, to? Yeah, we have an article about it in the Yard and Garden News. So that's at extension.umn.edu. Click on News and you'll find the article about the map. But you can also go to the USDA. You can just Google USDA Plant Hardiness Zone Map and get all the information. I just, when I wrote this article, it was just a piece of it, but, uh, but you can get all the information from the USDA. All right, very good. I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Julie, you and I haven't talked about the Arboretum yet today. Let's oh, yes. do that when we return. 22 degrees in the Twin Cities. We should see uh, both today and tomorrow, for that matter, around 39 degrees today and tomorrow here in the Twin Cities. 38 Monday, 38 Tuesday. 41 Wednesday, 45 Thursday, and 43 Friday. Quick look at our CCO forecast. 22 now on 830-WCCO. of our Smart Garden show coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Andy Lindis will be on the air answering any kind of a home improvement question you might have. That'll be next hour here on WCCO. In the meantime, Julie Weisenhorn still answering those lawn and garden questions here on our Smart Garden Show. We always love to talk about the Arboretum, and for good reason. Right. What a great resource that is. Yeah. Uh, before we go to the Arboretum, I just want to address, um, I want to tell people about a book that's come out from Heidi Roop. So Heidi is our director of our climate group at the University of Minnesota. It's called the Climate Action Handbook. And it's an excellent book for th- kind of reading about things that we can do as individuals and communities. And I would promote, uh, I, I'm promoting it just because I'm reading it and I'm finding it very helpful. And uh, thinking of the last caller who asked about, you know, felt unsettled by the, by the USDA map. So it's called the Climate Action Handbook, and it's by Heidi Roop, R-O-O-P. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. But yeah, That's the Arboretum, intro. beautiful right now, uh, even without the snow. The yeah. winter lights are going on. That opened up mid-November. And uh, this is a big, huge light show throughout most of the, like the main area around the the buildings. Really cool. Um, Carl and I have been out there to see it. You do need tickets, and uh, this is a four-fee exhibition. But really, it's like, I think for members, it's $10, and kids under 15 are free. And it's just a, a really fun way to walk around the gardens at night and see these incredible light sculptures, and what I mean, just it's it's pretty awesome. There's a one mile self guided walking route, so you can get your steps in and see some pretty cool lights as well. And uh, reserve online. Reserve online. Yep, you still need reservations. So we're going forward with that, continuing to do that. There are also a lot of classes going on. Of course, one of them that I would say, if you are a gardener who wants to really brush up on a pretty comprehensive uh, class about all areas in horticulture, you should consider taking the Pro Hort Core Course. So this is the same 
curriculum that master gardeners, our extension volunteers, take without the volunteer um, obligation. And it's online, it's self-paced. There are um, uh, Q&As with different extension educators like me and John and Brandon Miller and other people who support the master gardeners and support horticulture. And uh, those are weekly about specific topics. So um, it's all done online, so you, you can do it from your, the warmth of your home. And uh, just a really great comprehensive horticulture course, and that's offered through the Arboretum as well as other courses too. So uh, take a look at that if you're interested in getting some horticulture education for the winter. That's a great idea. Getting ready for spring, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, let's see who else we can help out here. Texter says, how can I kill or get rid of those invasive ferns that I thought were so nice and pretty that I planted years ago? Now they're invading my yard too. Well, I'm guessing they're talking about ostrich ferns. They're very large ferns. They can grow up to 60 inches tall. Uh, They have a center... Uh, They have uh, sterile fronds, which are great big bright green fronds, beautiful fronds. And then they have sterile fronds in the center, which look kind of like they're dead. They're brown and they're very stiff, very straight. Those are the fronds that actually have the spores. And uh, they grow out of the center of a a base of the plant that actually is not too hard to get rid of. Um, But they do also send out roots to connect. They... they, uh, they uh, send out roots that grow into other plants. So they colonize in an area, and uh, they, they are big plants. But you can still dig them out. Uh, you can find the, you know, find the plant you want to get rid of, get your shovel out, dig it out, and you'll find these roots going off the sides of that. Just follow those to the next plant, dig it out, follow that to the next plant, dig it out. It's a little bit of uh, elbow grease, but uh, eventually you'll be able to clear an area. A labor of love. Okay. <laughs> Probably still do it today. <laughs> now, a couple of questions about yet. about dormant seeding before we run out of time. This one says, do we need to water after putting the seed down or wait for snow? Good question. Actually, if if you can time it, and we, we can't time it now, but yeah, a little bit of moisture would be helpful. But if you ask John, he would say, if you can put it down right before it snows, that's ideal. Yeah, and another uh, one says, do you need to scratch up the soil before you dormant seed? It's uh, it's always helpful to increase the soil to seed contact, but it's not required in this case. Usually we put this down and the soil is frozen, so there's no scratching uh, but, okay. uh, available. But now you could, you could do that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, not about dormancy. Question about a Barbary shrub. We bought a toddler's used basketball hoop that apparently had salt and water in the base to weigh it down. We drained out the liquid and sludge that was weighing it down, but that substance seemed to kill a healthy Barbary shrub that got dripped on by that liquid. You think it'll come back in the spring? Look at that crystal ball of yours. <laughs> I appreciate the crystal ball <laughs> acknowledgement. Um, if, yeah, it, I, I don't know if it will or not. If you have a lot of dead dieback on that plant in the spring, then you would want to cut it back quite a bit. It's, um, yeah, who knows what was in that? It, apparently it was yeah. a salty, briny mix, and it may be difficult to grow much in that space if you have a lot of, if it's got a lot of sodium in that soil now. All right. I think we have, uh, Julie, uh, 
a little bit uh, more time here to grab a phone call. Lisa's calling in from Brooklyn Park, I think. Lisa, good morning. What is your question for Julie? Hi, Julie. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I went to a local store, and um, they told me to use uh, this Bonite product. It was a spray and a powder to put in the dirt because I was getting bugs on all my plants. Spider plants it started with on my Christmas cactuses and my poinsettias. Poinsettias have come back a little bit. All the leaves fell off, and then it's starting to grow some new ones. But the Christmas cactuses are all droopy, and all the little arms are falling off. And so I'm wondering, I tried one. One was a really old one for my grandma, so I'm really sad about losing that one. But I'm just wondering, at this point, that was about three weeks ago I put this stuff in it. I tried to transplant my biggest one into some new dirt and it hasn't perked up. I mean, is it a lost cause? Should I try and propagate the ones that are somewhat still alive? What do you think? Well, so when you put this, I'm guessing you put in a midocloprid, which is a systemic, and it uh, the plant basically, you water it into the plant and you take and the plant takes it up through its um, leaves and stems, and then any anim- any uh, insect that feeds on those uh, that pl- those plant parts will digest the the uh, pesticide. So I'm I'm kind of putting it together here, but my question is usually with the Christmas cactus that wouldn't necessarily the the chemical wouldn't hurt the plant. It would be the watering that would probably hurt the plant. So I'm wondering about your watering practice. That maybe well, I've uh, kept the watering practice the same. Okay, um, yeah, it, 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 the the chemical wouldn't have harmed the plant. Um, it could be the stress from the insect damage. I don't know what you have if you have aphids or white flies or mealybugs. Uh, they're all very common pests on house plants in particular, and I'm. It would depend on, uh, it sounds to me with the Christmas cactus that something, that there's a root rot issue going on. And it may be combined with the stress of the plant, of the insect damage too. So the best thing to do is is to, when you transplant, is to look at the roots, see if there are any roots left. If they're looking good, they're white, they're creamy white, uh, they feel firm, then transplant into some fresh soil. And maybe prune back the plants a little bit so they don't have to support so much foliage. And then see if they come back after that. Well, succinctly put, and we're out of time. So Not very succinctly. Succ- no, that was all right. It was good information. <laughs> Julie, always a pleasure. And I, uh, I know we'll be talking here before the end of the month, I do believe. Um, this is the beginning of the month, so I hope we uh, we can connect again. Yeah, uh, but in the meantime, uh, uh, check out the university website, extension.umn.edu, and get online, get to the Arboretum, right? Absolutely. All right, Julie, Sounds talk great. soon. Have a Thanks, good week. Danny. Thank you. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction will be with us, uh, joining us right after the news break in the 9 o'clock hour. So if you have any kind of a project question, uh, home improvement type, we'd welcome yours again by phone or by text. We expect sunshine today, highs near 39 degrees. Right now we have a southeast breeze at 8, CCO temp. 
22. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.